Joy is not just a feeling. I want to look at everything and see the joy in everything, whether it's good or bad, because you can't be happy all the time. Happy is very instant Mm -hmm. and it's just a short, short feeling. Joy is completely different. That's Sarah Kuhn and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Sarah Kuhn is the creator of Year of Joy, a platform to encourage everyone to be intentional and in adding more joy to your life and actively seeking and creating as much joy as possible. On this episode, we talk about the hard times that led to her searching for her own joy and happiness, the importance of her Christian faith, and the words of encouragement for anyone out there who feels like their life has lost its spark. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you so much. Let's start by introducing yourself to the audience and what you're up to. All right. Well, my name is Sarah, and um, what I'm up to these days is I work a corporate um, retail job right now, but I also am slowly starting to brand myself as a year of joy. Which is part of the reason why I was so excited to have you on here, because I think everybody wants to have at least one year of joy, if not every year, be filled with joy. Right. Um, And... Before we get into your joy, let's break down your story from like zero to 18 or 20. Like, just tell us where you grew up, what it was like. Me being born all the way until I was going into eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I grew up in um, a city called Norwalk. Um, I went to a small private school. When I mean small, I mean small. Like my fourth grade class was four people. No. Yes. (laughs) So, um That must have been amazing from an attention level, though, right? Yeah, it was great. Like, my mom worked at the school. My my brother went there. Um, I was there from preschool all the way up until sixth grade because then the school closed down because there's not enough funding. Mm -hmm. And then um, I played – I was in sports. I played softball. I played volleyball. I played basketball, all that kind of stuff. Um, Growing up, I had a really good childhood. Um, My mom was able to stay at home with us for the most part, she worked at our school while my dad, um, he was he's an elevator engineer. Yeah. So that's what he does for a living. What and, does an elevator engineer do? Or electrician. Like he, he fixes and improves. He fixes and improves all of the elevators. He actually works um, all of Los Angeles. Wow. So, yeah. So he works at all of, like, the Netflix studios and all that kind of good stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool when you, like, hear stories and stuff. Yeah. yeah. From... Baby to like, how old, how old are you in eighth grade? Like 13? 13-ish. 12, yeah. Um, I grew up in Norwalk. And because I went to a small private school, when my school closed down, my mom wasn't really thrilled with the school system. So I ended up going, for seventh grade, I ended up going to a junior high called Griffith in Downey. And it was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you, it was a, such a cultural shock for me because I went from being in such a small school that where I knew everyone yeah. and I didn't 
know a single soul. And so during, I think during those years of your life, you go through so much like growing and so much transition that like, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so I didn't really have any friends in seventh grade, anything like that. And then we moved. So we ended up moving out to Chino and that's Mm -hmm. where I pretty much was raised for the rest of my life, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I went to, I started all over in a new junior high in eighth grade, trying to find friends and do all of that stuff. So it was a little rocky, a little, Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. Um, but I ended up finding a group, a good group of friends, you know, that I'm still friends with till this day, which is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I loved growing up in Chino. It's like a small little, it was a small little like dairy town. So there was like tons of dairies and, you know, cows and like going in, in high school, like we went to like dairy parties where you would go like cow tipping (laughs) (laughs) and all of that stuff. Um, But we always like growing up, my mom always installed our faith like Mm -hmm. in Jesus and stuff. And so I've been, I've been a Christian since I was, I got saved when I was in first grade, you know? How do you get saved in first grade? Like when you're six, how do you even know what that means? What that is? Um, I think, well, like I remember growing up, like in my in my actual class, like my teacher asked, like, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Like, do you believe like he's your savior and and all this? And I wholeheartedly believed that, you know, yeah. and I still to this day, you know, I may have not always walked the walk, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I knew he was like my Lord and Savior. I yeah. knew that, you know. Um, so I feel like He's always kept me safe, <laughs> especially when going through different like transitions of life, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So going into high school, like so seventh grade, I was in a new school. Eighth grade, new school. Mm-hmm. Ninth grade, new school. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like um, I learned how to like become social. Mm-hmm. And I was the type of person that I was like, I had different multiple friend groups because I was friends with everyone. Yeah. And I think because of the fact that I had to do so much growing during those three years of my life to where like it, I was just, I was like, okay, let's be friends. Like I'll be friends with you and Mm -hmm. just making friends everywhere. Yeah. Um, And then from my freshman year all the way up until I was 25, I dated my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was my first boyfriend, my first love. Um, at first, I wanted to become a flight attendant. Very glamorous. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to become a flight attendant, and then September 11th happened. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I better reshift my focus. Um, <clears throat> not because I was scared to fly, but because, like, everybody was laying people off. So I'm like, yeah. all right, if I'm going to get a job, I need to, like, figure this out. Yep. So I ended up going to FITM, which is actually in L.A. Yeah. And Which is the fashion uh, in design. Yeah, the Fashion in- Institute of Design and Merchandise. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. And that's what brought me to, like, where I'm at today in, like, my actual career. Mm-hmm. Um, and your actual career is that you are a buyer 
for a large um, like skate action sports retailer. I'm a planner. Planner. So I work me. hand in hand with the buyer. Yes. Do you want to um, explain what a planner is for the rest of the world out there? <laughs> sure. So what a planner does, like a merchandise planner, is the buyer will buy the product, but the planner essentially holds the checkbook. So she will tell them like how much money they have to spend by month, forecast sales, manage their inventory, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, for everyone listening behind the scenes of every retailer that you love, there's all these roles that don't exist in other industries. And you break it all out because it becomes so overwhelming when you look at how many lines of product there are. So if we take Nordstrom's as an example, they have men's, women's, kids, home goods, you know, whatever other random seasonal accessories there are. And then in each of those buckets, you've got you know, women's outerwear, women's tops, women's bottoms, like it gets so segmented Mm -hmm. that you can't have one person to decide what's going to be in the store, plus manage the planning, plus manage like all the sellout and it gets too much and it moves so fast because you have new collections every month or quarter. So that's why you separate who buys it versus who follows the dollars. Right. Like back in the day when I was in college, um, the buyer would do everything. She did the p- buying, planning, and allocating. And mm-hmm. so allocating and planning was just kind of coming, just being like, you know, it was brand new to the industry. And mm-hmm. I loved the numbers part of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go that route. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so it kind of, it's just worked out. Yeah. Um, I was just so focused on school. Yeah. You know, and I didn't live out here. I commuted from um, Chino to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then I also was working a full-time job at Nordstrom's at South Coast Plaza. So, like, I was busy. I started out as a sales rep. Yep. Um, just getting, like, my foot foot in the door and stuff like that. And, again, and I was actually working at the California Mart. Mm-hmm. And I repped, like, eight different lines. It was just me and um, my boss, who I'm not going to say his name. Yeah. But, um. He, it was just him and I, and it was, it was very interesting. What is the California Mart for people who don't know? Oh, so the California Mart is where all of the vendors have their showrooms. And so that's where they'll do trade shows and like the buyers will come and like see all of the new lines and everything like that. What type of brands or lines would you see there? Well, each floor was different. Mm -hmm. So I was in the Missy. So I was on the third floor. Um, So my... My clientele was a little bit a woman that was in her 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, we call them the bridge customer. Yep. Um, and so, and like we really focused on small little boutiques. So I would drive out to Palm Desert to yeah. show a line. I would go to Vegas to Ma- Magic. Magic is a really big trade show. Yeah. So we would go to Magic. We would go to the San Francisco trade show. Um and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And in that, um, in the mart, you have other floors for different types of consumers or products. Oh, yeah. So there's something for everyone. Um, there's like really big high fashion as well. Mm-hmm. Even like baby designers that are in there. Every floor represents a different demographic, essentially. And it's not where the end customer goes. It's where the buyers for different retailers or, you know, brick right. and mortar online would go to Meet new brands or see brands they already carry to see what they're going to buy next. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's what the California Mart, California Mart was. Um, so I worked there for about a year. And um, I just knew, like, I wanted to be on the other side. Like, I wanted to it, 
end all be all, I wanted either to go into um, buying or planning. Yeah. What I'm doing now. Um, so then I got a job at this company called Drapers and Damage, which was in Irvine. Um, it's a very older clientele. It was more catalog based. And at the time we did have a lot of stores. Mm -hmm. um, I was there for about two and a half, three years. And um, stores started to slowly shut down and stuff. And um, I was ready to move on to mm -hmm. something else. So then I went and I worked at a company called Max Studio, which was in Pasadena. And that was more high fashion. Mm -hmm. um, I was on the retail part of it but they do a really big wholesale business. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked there for a little bit for about a year. Um, I was very thankful for that job and because it taught me what I would put up with and what I want to put up with. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was very interesting working there. So on that topic, like, you know, people who don't work in the fashion industry, whether it's in sportswear or high fashion or whatever is in between, mm -hmm. you know, you don't really know what goes on. Like you shop as a consumer, but then your only other exposure are things like Devil Wears Prada, right? Like what's right. behind the scenes. I've had all sorts of experiences from moments that were like Devil Wears Prada to, you know, working in skate where it's like me and a bunch of boys and you just make things and drink beer. Mm -hmm. So what were your experiences like and how would you describe what it's really like to work in the fashion industry? Well, I've had okay. So so far, leading up to that, I at, the, at that time I was twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had I came from a company where they really valued you and they cared about you as a of, as a person to going to a company where they didn't care about you. Period. You know, they wanted you to be there at a certain time and work until a certain time. Yeah. My boss itself, she she was nice. Um, but she, there was a, there, there was a part of me that felt like she didn't, um, lead by example. Yeah. And that was something I had a really hard time with to where she expected us to be there before her and stay there after her, you know? And that was something I was just like, mm. it just didn't really sit well with me. Yeah. And my fourth day, because there was a lot of turmoil in my specific department, we had my small little department, there was four of us plus my boss, so a total mm -hmm. of five. Um, we had to meet with the company's lawyer in order basically how to get along. And I'm like, what the heck did I just get myself into? Yeah. You know? Um, so it was it was interesting because, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, inside. I mean, every company has its own, you know drama and perks and pros mm -hmm. and cons and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but working there, it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I I wasn't being challenged. Um, the reporting was very archaic. Um, I was, I spent like all day printing on a Monday, like when you do all of your reports and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I'm really not learning anything here. So I just knew like, I'm going to give it a year and mm -hmm. then I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. um, but within that year, like, I have I met some of my good girlfriends that I'm still friends with to today because yeah. we went through all of that together. So that mm -hmm. was like the best part of it. Yeah. Um is is having those friendships being built and like made. Um but when it came to like working with them as a company, it was like you're just an, a number. 
You know, like they don't care about you. And um, that was really hard because like you put your heart and soul into like wanting to do good, you know, do good, do a good job and like prove yourself and stuff like that. And when it doesn't get recognized, it's hurtful. You know, it really is like um, that is something still to this day that like when I do something, I put my heart and soul into it. And like when it, it, when I don't feel appreciated or it just gets just not acknowledged, it's not acknowledged or like stomped on or whatever. And I'm just like, really? Like, why do I even care this much? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a very common thing. <clears throat> I think women in particular, like we're not good at reserving a part of ourselves separate from what we do all day long at work. So you will, when you're at work, you are at work 100% and you're go, go, go. And you don't mm-hmm. even realize what you're sacrificing in regards to life balance or family or personal life until you either stop working for a minute or take a vacation. And you're like, holy smokes, how much time has gone by? And I haven't done all these 50 things that I care about. So I, I think it's definitely harder for women. And because we just give that much more into what we're doing at work, that when we don't get the acknowledgement or the appreciation or that feeling that it matters, mm-hmm. it makes such a bigger impact. Like, because right. the mattering part matters to us. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and I really believe in, you know, building up other people mm-hmm. because that is so empowering in like, showing them and telling them that, you know, you are making an impact. Because there's I've, there's like this quote, there's no other form of flattering than um, actually really telling someone and building, building someone up and telling mm-hmm. them what a good job they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like that is the best compliment somebody could ever receive. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to like, you know, their job or even if they're like volunteering or something, you know, just those small little things um, really go a long way. Well, and I think as the leader or whoever's giving that acknowledgement, to be able to really get that that person doesn't need to be here. They could be giving their time and service to so many other things to just appreciate that they're choosing to do it with you, even if you're paying them. Like even right. if they're a paid employee, they could get paid somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. we had a um, a woman who leads up culture and HR at her company who we recorded with yesterday. And her biggest, what she loves about that role is that she gets to, you know, build these teams and make sure people are appreciated. And we spent a lot of time talking about how most leaders don't know how to do that. Right. or And like no one teaches you, unless you have a boss that does it and you can learn from them or you get it instinctually, there's not a, a lot of management courses on how to care about people. Right. And there's a big difference between a boss and a leader. Yes. Big difference. What is that difference for you? Um, A boss would be someone who just basically tells you what to do and just doesn't lead by example or um, will correct you when you're wrong and very rarely praise you when you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just basically it's a a boss, you know? Um, And then a leader isn't afraid to get down and dirty with you. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't afraid to like sit down with you and be like, okay, let's figure this out together. Mm -hmm. Um, Encourage you and, you know, build you up and um, 
lead by example and say, hey, I'm doing this too. Let's all do it together. You mm-hmm. know, empowering like the, their entire team and just showing, basically leading the way. Yeah. You know, to me that, yeah, there's a big difference between both of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, after your year was up, what happened next? Um, so I ended up um, getting a job with the my current company that I'm at now. And so I've been there for 10 years, you know, and during all of this whole transition, my high school, my high school sweetheart and I, we broke up and it was my first time of actually really being like single. And so I, um, I was, I felt like I was on my way to something like bigger and better mm-hmm. in regards to like, I have my stuff together you know like I've somewhat have a couple of years experience underneath my belt in my career Mm -hmm. I'm moving on to bigger and better and I just was like I don't know I just was started like living my life (laughs) because it could be really devastating right when you were together like 10 yes it was at that given time in my life it was the hardest thing I've ever been through Mm -hmm. like and I'm a big advocate for counseling because I put myself in counseling right away because, you know, I'm with somebody for almost 10 years, you know, and those are very vital, vital years. Like, yeah, you know, and um, going through a really hard breakup, that was devastating for me. You yeah. Know? You were together more than some people are married. Right. Exactly. I basically was going through a divorce without the paperwork, mm-hmm. you know, and he was still somewhat in my life because we had such a core group of friends Mm-hmm. So um, I would have to see him from time to time through like functions and weddings and baby showers. And because at that time, everyone's getting married yeah. and having kids, you know, so like so that was that was hard in itself. But like it grew me to the person I am today. Yeah. Um, And it just made me stronger, a stronger human being and a stronger woman for people who are going through <clears throat> that right now. And going through that horrible breakup and it, you can't really see the light on the other side. What advice would you give them? What would you tell them? Just know that this is happening for you, mm-hmm. you know, and you are strong enough to get through it. If you need to go and talk to somebody, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. Get counseling. Get help if you can. Um, know that you are better off. Without them, you know, and know that you are deserving of love and whatever happened in, you know, in that given relationship, just know that you, you are worthy of more Mm -hmm. and you're not alone at all. There's been plenty of people that have gone through it and came out on top. Mm -hmm. Like whatever you're going through right now, know that you will be stronger in the end. You may may not look like it, but like... After every storm, there's a beautiful rainbow. Yeah. And it's so true. And you you just become a stronger human being. What did you learn about yourself when you were going through that? That I was okay to be alone. Yeah. Because I never was once alone, ever. You know, um, that's what I think that was like my biggest fear Mm -hmm. was like, okay, well, what? What if like we're I'm gonna go, like, what if my friend's friend is having an event? Like, am I gonna go alone or because I've always gone with with someone, yeah. you know, somewhat being like codependent, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I was okay, like I was worthy enough, and 
I was better off. You know, it was it was a great blessing in disguise. Like it's something that looking back on, like I will um forever be grateful for that experience because mm-hmm. it just showed me like, you know, how strong I can be. Yeah. You know? So I was just and and I have helped other women along, you know, throughout the years that have gone through you know, difficult situations, just relating to them, like mm-hmm. to tell, just letting them know, like, you're going to be okay. It's going to be shitty for a while, yeah, but you're going to be okay. And and it's okay to feel shitty for a while. Like, it's okay oh, yeah. to feel that way. I think there's this expectation sometimes that bad things happen and you have to like snap right out of it and, and be happy again. And it's like, no, like, mm-hmm. Just be real about it. Right. And it's okay to feel those feelings. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Mm -hmm. You know, it really, really is. Yeah. So, um, it's okay to feel the way you feel. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, you made it through that. You're at this new company. And you went from working with um, the bridge um, customer to a fashion customer and now to an action sports customer. Yes. Very different people along the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Very, very different people. I could actually, re- at that given time in my life, I could actually relate to my customer. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time. For the first time. Yeah. You know, like I actually, I wore the clothes and um, I could still wear the clothes till this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I like, I loved it. It was, it's a, it's a great company. Like they still, they had that, um, they have that family atmosphere and yeah. that people actually really care about you. Mm-hmm. And like knowing that when you go into a meeting, your boss has your bag, that's the greatest feeling in the world. It's so great. Yeah. So um, I've, I started out in allocation and um, I worked my way up to um, the position I'm in today. Mm-hmm. And I worked with, I started, when I first started there, I was doing um, men's cut and sew and brand, and you know, t-shirts and all of that kind of stuff. And then I moved into the women's department and I did all of women's fashion. Um, and now I'm in women's accessories and it's just, it's, it's so fun. Mm -hmm. So it's something I'm really grateful for. Um, I absolutely love my team and, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just super grateful. Awesome. And this whole time, I think something that adds color is you've been commuting to all these crazy places. Oh right? my gosh, yes. Like you spend a lot of time in the car. I do. So like over the well when I f- was first going <laughs> commuting to um my company, it, my commute was like 45 minutes and that was with toll roads. So the toll roads, you know, you have to pay for them. Mhm. Um and now it's, you know, it's creeped up to an hour and 15, hour and a half. So I'm in the car for like on average, three hours a day, you know, there and back and commuting to Orange County and stuff from where I live in Chino. And um, it's just, it's a lot. So I do listen to a lot of podcasts and like audiobooks. So I'm, what are your favorites? I love them. Oh, um, here, let me pull them up. Um, I love... So there's this one girl. It's she's. It's called the Sunny Show. Okay. She's like, um, she's really good about building a brand on YouTube, oh. which is great. She gives great um, feedback and great mm-hmm. tips and stuff. Um, I like the Tony Robbins podcast because yeah. it's super inspirational and like it just gets your, you know, 
Your mojo going. Your mojo going, <laughs> exactly. Um, there is this one called The Angie Lee Show. Okay. She's really good, too, about, like, um, mindset work and mm-hmm. um, just building a brand and all of that stuff. And then The Gold Digger. She's oh. great. I've um, heard of that one. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, she's great. I have a, I have a lot of them that I listen to. Um, and also, you know, the you know Rachel Hollis? Yes. Yeah, she has fan. ones called Rise. Mm-hmm. She's great, too. I almost freaked out. Well, I did it in mentally, but didn't have a physical freak out when the podcast launched mm-hmm. on the first. And you click on it, and it's like, if you like the Powerful Ladies podcast, you might like Rachel Hollis. I'm like, no fucking way. Did my podcast just recommend hers? <laughs> like, this is awesome. Because I'm such a big fan of hers and what she's doing and her message. Um, my Our other sister sent me this article where somebody was saying that, like, Rachel Hollis tells you, um, if you want to be skinny, to like hang out with skinny friends only, and I'm like, where? Who got that out of any of her messages? I was so mad about it. Um, so that is not her message. She's all about like you living your best life and ways to do that, and how important like having the right people around you are. So she's amazing. Yeah, I'm so proud is. of her and what she's doing. Did you see her documentary? I did. I went with some girlfriends and watched it. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. I yeah. loved it. I heard it's now available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. We'll have links to all of it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I also listen to, like, in the mornings, I always – that's when I do my devotion. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll listen to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Um or I'll listen to jo- Joyce Myers, um, mm-hmm. or I'll just listen to just a sermon, yeah. you know, and that's when I just like really spend my time with like the Lord and stuff and just start my day off right because because I have a long commute mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily a morning person, Yeah, um, I, that's when I spend my time with Him. Like, because, yeah. you know, you're supposed to start like, start your day off right. And so I feel like when I... When I do start my day off, you know, spending time with him, like mm-hmm. all else, everything else falls falls in line. And for people who don't know, what does a devotional mean? Um, well, to me, this is my own definition of a sure. de- devotional mm-hmm. would be just, you know, you it's your one-on-one time with the with God. Yeah. You know, it's me, this is what I do. I will I have a couple scriptures in my card that I will just meditate on and just mm-hmm. reread. Um, do you want to share any of them? Do you have memorized? Oh, I do, but you're putting me on the spot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, it's okay. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts without fear of her future. That's a great quote. Yeah. So it's Proverbs 31, 25. I, um. For such a long time, I was so anti-anything Christian based on my personal experiences with it and the hypocrisy and how so many civilizations and people use it as a weapon instead of something to be inclusive with people, like basically just not being Christian with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it happens to every religion. Like I feel heartbroken for the people who uh, love Islam and— because of a few people, it's getting completely destroyed in the public eye. And it happens to every religion. That's just what happens when people get their hands on something and don't have the right intentions. Mm-hmm. And for such a long time, I was relying on like going deep into 
Buddhism and the yoga mantras and all these other sources to find great inspiration. And I had just shut off like what could be possible through the Bible as an option of inspiration and learning. And once I decided like that's silly, if I'm going to accept all of them, I should really just start reading where I came from. And I have been blown away at how many nuggets of knowledge are in there that no one talks about because it's either not cool to talk about Christianity or it's just not cool to talk about traditional religions at all. And I think that's a great example. Like no matter where it came from, people need to hear that message or like what they personally believe in a moment. Um, Who doesn't need to know that they shouldn't be fearful about what's next? Right. It's a game changer because so often we get so stressed out and, and anxious not having a plan and not having to be perfect and thinking that we have to know it all and be responsible for all of it when we just don't have to be. Right. Don't have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. So I just really, that time, I just open up conversation with him and I just tell him, like, you know, what's on my mind and how I want my day to go and just basically give myself some grace and give, you know, the people around me grace. And mm-hmm. and um, that's how, that to me, that's what a devotion is. Yeah. Um, you know, meditating on a word, whether it's a cup of scriptures or like listening to, you know, listening to somebody preach about, you know, the word and like you just are really thinking about it and just open up the opening up that dialogue between you and him because th- essentially at the end of the day all he wants is for you to talk to him. Yeah. And um yeah, so that's what that's what I do. When um you and I met at Mariner's Church in Orange County mm-hmm. and they've had this amazing senior pastor for a long time called Kenton Bayshore who is just an amazing speaker, regardless of your personal preferences. Like, he's such an amazing speaker. And he did this great series that me not knowing, like, how I felt about it all when I heard it, it was so open, oh, so opening, because he had a whole six-week course about, like, how he hates religion. And I was like, where do you go where a pastor is talking about why he hates religion? Hmm. And like the premise was kind of what I said before about how people tend to ruin religions because we add on all this other stuff that actually it never said in whatever the book of origin is. And um, so he had the, the quote that I took from that was that like religion is a spiritual relationship or sorry, the spirituality is a relationship. It's not a religion. And to me, that was very eye-opening and impactful for me to think about. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, because these days I feel like they could twist and turn everything. You know, um, now like being Christian, like you're like looked down upon, you know, and and it's about, you know, it's about my relationship with the Lord. That's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. How is it, you know, since you've been saved since you were six— how has what have you been confronted with growing up that kind of put you between, you know, as an example, like wanting to be accepted and have friends versus wanting to stand with your values? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I would say going, you know, growing up in like high school, you know, going to parties and stuff like that, and you know, being surrounded by like 
drinking and and all of that. Like I I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like I would drink at parties yeah. and stuff and like but I knew where to draw the line. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew how far I could go and um I I knew right from wrong. Um and I just I don't know. I mean, I feel like I probably was put in situations where I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been mm-hmm. and um because you know, I have like a praying family and stuff and you know, they would continuously pray for me. Yeah. Um I was protected. Yeah. You know, um I know that like now because I so I was saved at 6 but I didn't get baptized until I was how old was I 34 33 34 mm-hmm. because I knew like I knew the once I get baptized I'm really going to really walk mm-hmm. walk with the Lord and but before that I knew I needed to be walking like 100%. Yeah. And I made that promise to myself and to God that I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um my weakness is I've gone to a couple of different psychics. Yeah. You know, and I know you're not supposed to do that, but I loved I loved it. Yeah. And um I've gone probably five or six times. Yeah. What made you want to go? Because I wanted to know my future. Yeah. <laughs> exactly the quote you just or the, the exactly. you just read. <laughs> right. Um I wanted to find out about my future and I like I believed in that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom would always tell me, Sarah, you're playing with fire. Yeah. You know? Um, and I was like, I, I I didn't care. Yeah. And, but I would never ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to do it again. Yeah. You know? And the moment when I, when I was thinking about getting baptized, mm-hmm. I made a promise to myself, I will never do a tarot card reading. I would never do a palm reading. I will never mm-hmm. go and see it, see a psychic. Like still to this day, like I'll get, you know, I subscribe to the refinery 29 and they'll send yeah. you like, you know, your monthly horoscope and stuff. I'm tempted to like, should I read that? Should I not read that? Like, you know, and I just kind of like forget about it, but yeah. I feel like that's like a really big temptation of mine. Well, yeah. And I think to give you some grace with those, I mean, most horoscopes are written by some random twenty-five-year-old that's sitting on the on the writing team at the. They have no uh, psychic talents, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. hmm. Yeah, but there's a part of me that still wants to believe it because I want to know my future. Yeah, but then, like, do I really want to know it? You know, um, I I remember. This was like probably a year ago, mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half. I was up visiting a girlfriend up in Utah, <clears throat> and I was on the shuttle back to the airport. I dropped off my rental car. Mm-hmm. I was on the shuttle back to the airport, and there was this guy. He just started talking to me, making small talk. Then he started talk to, talking to me about my future, like he was a medium. Yeah. And it freaked me out. And I was like, mm, no, I'm sorry. I can't like... I basically kind of shot him down and I was like, I, I can't really, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't really want to hear about this. Yeah. Um, and basically have a good day. Yeah. And I knew, like, I knew I was like, I wanted to hear more. Yeah. But I knew it was not it was right. A, well, it was out of integrity with the agreement that you made. Right. Exactly. How do you feel about people that are mediums like um, 
the Long Island medium because she's Catholic and she's a medium. And I guess it's not really future telling. It's more talking to. Like her, yeah. I don't like, I I have no problem with it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I figure, I feel like she's probably here. That's her purpose yeah. to be on this earth. And I feel like there are a lot of people who are spiritual and mm-hmm. do have those kind of, you know. Special ab- gifts. Yeah, those mm-hmm. gifts, you know, and that might be their gift. Um. So, yeah. So, I don't really yeah. have too big of an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you ever, you know, you, you waited until you were in your early 30s to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And have there been other moments in your, you know, getting to that point where you really felt conflicted about making that choice or... Yeah, I guess like so many people who who haven't chosen the path that you have, like have so many questions about like, how did you know? And how did you, how did it feel right? And do you feel like you've had to give things up as because of it? Um, so I waited mm-hmm. a very long time because I knew like, I'm not going to go and get baptized and then slap him in the face and still be living the life I'm living. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew... I had to go through a lot of different, you know, growing situations and mm-hmm. and testing the waters and trying to figure things out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I do learn things the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do. Uh, yeah. So I think just going through different trials mm-hmm. of life, like with the cards that you're dealt with, um, and figuring out like, okay is this the life I still want to be living or um, can it be better or what should I be doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, I'm not saying like I had a hard life or anything like that, but I did go through a couple different trials, you know. Everybody Um, does. There's no way you can avoid it. Right. And um, I think that, so my early 30s, I, um, I dated a guy and we were we were very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, we dated for almost two years. I thought I was going to marry him. Yeah. And um, <laughs> um, it was it was he was someone that I I probably still have I have so much love for still. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and but dating dating him, I really grew a lot, mm-hmm. and um. This is how the whole like year of joy came about for me. Yep. Um, so yeah, so 2016 was a really hard year for me. Um, I and this all has everything to do with like my process of of um making that decision to yeah. get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um so I went through a court battle in 2016, um, and that rocked me to my core. Um, meanwhile, I had this amazing relationship that I was in, um, and I wholeheartedly loved this man to death with every piece of me. Mm-hmm. And but I was this court battle that I was battling um, took away my joy. Yeah, you know, it happened. It started in January, and it went dragged out all the way until October. So almost the whole year for me, mm-hmm. and it was. I lived in fear every single day to where I became 
a very big introvert. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I basically went to work, hung out with my boyfriend, and that was it. What were you in fear of? Just of life. Like I felt like I had I felt like I didn't have control of it. Mm-hmm. And I was at the mercy of the courts. Mm-hmm. And I was I was just like, my world got rocked, mm-hmm. you know, and I was afraid of what I experienced happening again to where I did everything in my power to stay away from it. Yep. Um, and so it just, when something like that is out of your control, like, I felt like my life was just like, I felt like I, I became a whole new person. A completely different person. Like I yeah. had fear of of driving to work. I had fear of walking down the street. Like mm-hmm. um I just became a very a very different person. Yeah. I let it control me and I let it still my joy. Mm-hmm. You know? And during this whole process, um he was he was really great, you know, great. Um but at the same time, he was battling his own issues. Yeah. You know, um, he told me he had them under control and I believed him. And um, at the very end of our relationship where we, we broke up in September of 2016, and I'm still battling my court case mm-hmm. at that time too. Like it just, it it ripped off the bandaid times 10. And yeah. it just was like, here I go again. You know, like I was slowly starting to become myself again somewhat, mm-hmm. but not really, to where it just set me back completely again. Well, I think when you have a like that court case, like when someone uses the phrase rocks your world, I don't know if people who haven't experienced that feeling of getting, it's like the carpet gets taken out from under you. You start doubting anything that you think is true. You start doubting the way the world works, what you think about it. Like you lose a, a sense of... All the knowledge you think you have is like gone. And and I think that's so important for people to get because you get put into this place where you don't trust anything or yourself or it's this weird floating feeling. Mm-hmm. And unless you've gone through it, like you, you can't get the magnitude of how your whole world occurs to you the next second. Like it's a foreign place. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I... Here was my, not my safety net, but like the person that I I put my trust in. Yeah. Um, and knowing like you know I I knew that he had somewhat of an addiction, but he said he had it under control, and I trusted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I'm battling this case, and he he's doing his thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it just it. It hurt me beyond belief. Yeah. You know, and um, so that kind of really um I did a lot of soul searching after that. I mm-hmm. did a lot of um therapy after that. I still do it to this day. Mm-hmm. And um I that really made me look back at my life and be like, okay, Sarah, like I wanted to be walking the walk. So I really just dug mm-hmm. deep into my faith yeah. and read my Bible every night. And um, I read this book 
um, it's about different seasons of your life and mm-hmm. what you're going through, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that really helped me. It was by Lisa Kurist. Kurist? Um, and that book changed my life. And um, that is one of, I went through all of this, you know, for 26 days, I went through this whole, like, turmoil, like, mm-hmm. throughout almost the entire year of being someone that I didn't even recognize anymore. Yeah. You know, um, to, like, really realizing, okay, I need to, like, figure this out and move forward. Mm-hmm. And um, I really found such um, – like a feeling of safety mm-hmm. and comfort when I would put my like lean, put my faith in the Lord and start really walking the walk. Yeah. Um, and then in so Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve came around and and I just made a promise to myself because my court case was done. It was mm-hmm. finalized. I'm going through this awful breakup and these awful feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. I just made a promise to myself that I was never going to let anybody, anyone, anything ever steal my joy again. Yeah. Ever. Because I know what it's like to live without it. Mm -hmm. I lived in – it was unbelievable. Like still to this day, like I could still feel that feeling. Yeah. It's very dark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so New Year's Eve 2017 is when I changed my Instagram name to Year of Joy. And it just has developed from there. And May 21st of 2017 is when I decided I was going to get baptized. And because I was walking the walk. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm a true believer that God does put certain situations in your life to bring you closer to Him. And I believe that. I really do. And I know from going through what I've gone through and and everything like that. Um, because before I dated him, I didn't I wanted a guy who was Christian, mm-hmm. right? But I now I'm will only date a guy who's actually walking the walk. Yep. You know, it, there's a big difference. And um that was something I made a promise to myself too. Like when I decide to like fully get baptized and devote myself Mm -hmm. to the Lord. Like it was something that like I knew I had to do wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And what does year of joy mean to you? Like what is it becoming? Oh my gosh. So when it first got started, it was just me making that promise to myself to not let anybody or anything ever steal my joy again. Mm -hmm. You know, joy is not just a feeling. You know, I want to look at everything and see the joy in everything, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Because you can't be happy all the time. Happy is very instant mm-hmm. and it's just a short, short feeling. Yeah. Joy is completely different. Um, so it's becoming it's becoming its own like small little brand to where like it's kind of cool because like I'm very big into like positive affirmations yep. and positive having a positive mindset and seeing the good in almost everything granted yes there's gonna be bad things Mm -hmm. you know um but it's like seeing the joy in those bad things and how to overcome those yep um so that's really what it means to me and it's kind of cool because people will 
instant message me or, you know, DM me and be like, hey, I saw this today and I totally thought of you. Yeah. Um, And it's all has to do with joy, Mm -hmm. you know. And at first it was only going to be like a year thing where I changed it. But I was like, no, this is me. Mm -hmm. And um, I – it's just – it. It puts a big smile on my face when I see those little things. Yeah. I'm like, your face has changed just now. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's I'm making a small little impact on mm-hmm. on other people. Yeah, you know, and I'm a big person in like I love great quotes. Mm-hmm. I love um, just positive, just positive af- affirmations, just positive things in general. Yeah, and so like I try and you know. I try and whenever I post anything, I try and post it with good intentions mm-hmm. of maybe this will touch somebody. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, you know, there has been times, you know, that I've gone through hard, like difficult little things, you know, and where I won't post for a couple weeks and people are like, I miss your post. And I'm like, yeah. really? Like, it's just, yeah, it's kind of cool to well, see that. What I love about following Year of Joy is that, like to me, it it shows how much more freedom you're giving yourself to actually have the joy, like to see you taking trips and to see you going on adventures and doing different things, or um, like giving yourself approval that to make joy your top priority, because mm-hmm. it, it can be an everyday thing. It doesn't need to be a vacation. Like, how do you find the everyday joy? How do you really celebrate? All the things that make you happy and other people happy, you know. One of the uh, one of the podcast guests, uh, Renee Colvert, has is a co-host of the "Can I Pet Your Dog" podcast, and like to me, that is an entire podcast about joy. Like they're talking about dog news and dogs they met, and um, you know their own pet stories, and there's nothing heavy about it. Like, um, yes, when, like, there'll be a, a story that's sad about, like, losing a dog, but um, it's just so nice to remember that there doesn't need to be all this heaviness that you see on the news all the time and on social media and especially the current climate that we're in. And um, I think more people need to know that they have permission to have every day and every moment, like, be joyful and not feel like it's being irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, because the society we live in today, there's so much negativity mm-hmm. that who wants to, like, look at more, you mm-hmm. know? Like, sometimes I don't even watch the news because I can't because it's yep. just – it's too – you know, it's it's sad. Yeah. And um, I don't – I choose to not live my life that way. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, yes, there are some things that I um, – I do pay attention to and I do follow, you yeah. know, but that's enough for me because I could, I just, I don't ever want to go back to that dark space, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes I do have, I've, I have gone back there, but I've been able to get myself out of it. Yeah. And, um, remember, I remind myself, okay, Sarah, find the joy in this situation. Mm-hmm. What do you see that's going to bring you joy? find it and it's just like a daily reminder for myself and you know and it's becoming a small little brand and I'm branding myself through it Mm -hmm. and it's really it's really cool like it's in a very very small 
baby, baby steps of it, yeah. you know, but like, who knows what it, it, it could lead to. Like, I'm, I'm excited for the future of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really believe that like, whenever I see joy, something joy yeah. somewhere or something, I believe like that's God, the universe telling me mm-hmm. I'm on the right track mm-hmm. because I feel like that's like my sign. Um, there's been a reoccurring topic on powerful ladies podcast of like people like how getting those signs because when you are taking risks and doing something that sounds bigger than you're supposed to be or you're unsure of you need that like you need the reassurance yeah so what is next for year of joy do you have any things up your sleeve or what are you planning um i'm actually planning i'm actually in the process of developing a podcast myself awesome um, called year of joy i'm in the very small small stages of getting the website ready and mm-hmm. um developing that and um I want to start small to where I want to interview people to see how they find joy in certain, you know, hard situations that they've faced. Because mm-hmm. um, I believe everybody has gone through something sometime or another. And yes. like, it's all about how you manage to get through it mm-hmm. um, and seeing the joy in that situation. And who knows? I mean, I don't know what could come of it. Like, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. And I am the type of person that. Well, I feel like over the last few years, like I've just become such a stronger individual Mm -hmm. and stronger woman when it comes to like having a strong mindset. Yeah. Um, and knowing that like anything could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I'm up for anything. Yeah. You know, and I just I love it. In addition to your faith, what what other practices do you have in your um routine that allow you to be operating at your best and most joyful? Um, I really believe in personal development. So mm-hmm. um, I'm reading a book or listening to an audio book. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in daily meditation and building your self-confidence. Like I struggled with that big time um, all throughout high school, college, like I I just had a really hard time with confidence. So, and I still do to this day. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have found this confidence pot, um, confidence meditation that I fall asleep to at night. So it helps me. So it actually gets into my subconscious mind. Very cool. What's uh, it called? Um, it's called my, it's, it's on Amazon mu- music. It's called my future confidence. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, I just, asked Alexa to play confidence one night and, and she played it. So I was like, sweet. Um, high five, Alexa. Thank high you. Five, yeah. Um, but I also have downloaded some actual real like long sleep mm-hmm. meditations to fall asleep to. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. And I'm, I'm a really big believer also in surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with good people. Yeah. Because you are the extension of, the person that you are is the extension of the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So, like, surrounding yourself with positive, good people who are actually have goals and going somewhere and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing is has a really big impact on you as a person. Yeah. Um, And then also, I just, I love having open dialogue and, like, this kind of thing. Like, yeah. just, I think it's really, it. I think it's really cool how 
today's world, like it's so easy to build a relationship with someone over social media and get mm-hmm. close to them mm-hmm. um, and connect with them yeah. because there's so many different people in the world and you can, there's so many people that you could connect with. Yeah. Um, so just having like an open mind to new things, mm-hmm. um, I think it's very important as well. And just having, you know, daily affirmations, positive yeah. affirmations, like I am confident. Yeah. I am worthy. Um, I do set little reminders on my phone every single day. Yeah. For in, like, I have like five different reminders in my phone and they'll pop up from time to time. So like, whether it be a scripture or it's like at three o'clock, it would say, take three deep breaths. Today's a good day. I like that. Yeah. Um, or just at the end of the day, just your daily gratitude. Yeah. Um, where you just thank, you know, yourself, thank the Lord, thank the universe for mm-hmm. everything that's going on. You know, just being super grateful. Yeah. And journaling and just writing, you know, writing down what you're thankful for, writing down what you want, mm-hmm. you know, writing down like your I am statements and yep. that kind of thing. Like I'm a big believer in that because I feel like your mind is a powerful thing mm-hmm. and it could do anything. Yes. Yeah. The, you know, being a powerful lady comes from the place that the power is already in you. And if, you know, I know how powerful people can be and you really have to choose, like, what are you going to use your power for? You can use your power to, you know, rise and help people and live your, you know, most fulfilled, greatest life, or you can use it to torture yourself and others. Like it's, you have the power. It's like, how are you going to use it? Um, you know, obviously there's been so much going on with the Me Too and the women's movement happening here and around the world. How has seeing that movement come to life impacted you? Um, like, what does it mean to you to see what's happening for women today? I think it's really cool. You know, um, I feel like over time, like us women are finding our own voice. Um, and I just, it's just exciting to see like what else mm-hmm. is going to be able to like, you know, develop from this. Yeah. And um, I'm excited. Yeah. Anna, we ask all of our guests um, where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale. If zero is being ordinary human and 10 is powerful lady, um, where do you put yourself today? Where do you put yourself on average? I would probably say a seven. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like I haven't developed into my full potential yet mm-hmm. or my full potential powerful lady yet. Um, but I've done a lot of work to get to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the process of getting there. Yeah. You know, and I'm very content and happy with what I've done and where I'm at and everything like that to Mm -hmm. where it gets me excited to get to a 10, I guess you could say. (laughs) Perfect. Um, What messages would you have for listeners out there who are looking for joy and are looking for ways to take that on themselves? Hmm. Like, how do you start? How do you start on your your own year of joy? So I would probably say, like, 
This is a good question. It's making me think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How would you start on your own year of joy? So I would probably say like figure out what brings you joy. Like pay attention to the small little things that light you up. Mm -hmm. And notice what those are because that would be probably pure joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go through difficult situations, remember that feeling and remind yourself like, okay, I know what that feeling of joy truly is mm-hmm. and how that what that feeling of joy truly is, but actually remind yourself in that situation like, I'm going to find joy in this and and better myself from it. Mm-hmm. But truly feel it. Yeah. And know what it feels like. And then just continuously remind yourself, like, I am beautiful. Yeah. I am confident. I am joyful. I am worthy. Um. I am a powerful lady. Yes. You know? Um, Hallelujah to that one. (laughs) Yeah. But just, like, figure out what really does bring you joy and Mm -hmm. remember that feeling and just carry it with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I would probably say. Excellent. Um, Any last-minute messages or things you want people to know? Don't give up. Yeah. Life can throw you (laughs) curveballs, like big ones, you know, and just know like it it probably is happening for you, Mm -hmm. not to you. Yeah. And um, just find joy in the situation and continue to move forward and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to end up being great. Yep. You're going to be great. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. I look forward to hearing how the listeners are creating their year of joy and to just see the impact of what it has for you and your followers and what you're creating next. Thank you. Of course. I'm left after this episode imagining if everyone spent a year looking for joy, creating joy, and sharing joy, like how could the world be different? I think it would be a completely transformed place in just one year if we all took that on. I'm glad we talked about the difference between joy and happiness, and that joy can be found in dark times and places, not just the good. Since we recorded this episode, Sarah's taken another leap in her joy journey and has moved up to San Francisco. To connect, support, and follow Sarah, you can follow her on Instagram at year.of.joy. For all the correct spellings, direct links, and all the other notes that we talked about on this episode, please visit thepowerfulladies.com. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here at Powerful Ladies, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave a review on any of these platforms. Share the show with all the powerful ladies and gentlemen in your life. Join our Patreon account. Check out the website, thepowerfulladies.com to hear more inspiring stories, get practical tools to be your most powerful, get 15% off your first order in the Powerful Ladies shop, 
or donate to the Powerful Ladies One Day of Giving campaign. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. For show notes and to get the links to the books, podcasts, and people we talk about, go to thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. She's one of the first female audio engineers in the podcasting world, if not the first. And she also happens to be the best. We're very lucky to have her. She's a powerful lady in her own right. In addition to taking over the podcasting world, she's a singer songwriter working on her next album. And she's one of my sisters. So it's amazing to be creating this with her. And I'm so thankful that she finds time in her crazy busy schedule to make this happen. It's a testament to her belief in what we're creating through powerful ladies. And I'm honored that she shares my vision. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.